Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Michael Shafra. In today's episode, I speak to Ben Clifford, the founder and CEO of Tithe. Tithe is a platform that allows employees to give a share of their paycheck tax-free to a charity they care about. A monthly donation of £30, for example, would cost an employee about £24 after tax savings. Ben used to be the community director at Founders Pledge, a community of entrepreneurs that have pledged to donate a share of the returns they receive when exiting their companies to some of the most effective charities in the world. Only a few months after the launch, Tive has already attracted employees at companies such as Entrepreneur First, Hubble, and Founders Forum to donate through its platform. It's great to have you on the show, Ben. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you for Amazing. having me. Uh, let's go to the basics first. How does Tive work um, and how are you actually able to give more money to the charity than the employee actually has to pay themselves? Sure. Um, yeah, so it's actually really simple. There's... Uh, scheme called payroll giving which has been around a very long time in the uk it's been around since 1987 it was launched and um, which allows you to give through your paycheck to charity and you're paying out of gross income so you're paying pre-tax that amount um, which means as in your example um you can give extra money to charity on the lower rate of tax it looks like about 25 percent more so similar to gift aid and we can Talk about the differences with gift aid if you'd like. Um, and the higher rate of tax, you're giving a, a huge amount more because obviously you're paying more tax. Um, so it can be up to 80% more that goes to charity just by giving through your paycheck. Amazing. So yeah, there's gift aid out there. I think you need to sign up for it and then you can already give a little bit more. How's that different? Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, gift aid is um, oh, a box. You might have seen it's a box that you tick or, um, when you give to charity um, and it allows you the charity to claim 25% extra um, from the government um, and the idea is that's covering the basic rate of tax so most people pay 20% um, if you imagine you're giving 80 pounds and uh, then if you boost that by 25%, that's £100 so it's like you're if you were paying £100 straight out of your paycheck and that was 20% um, the maths gets confusing here but you see it's similar and um, it doesn't cover the higher rate of tax so if you're paying a £100 donation and you're taxed 40%, um, then normally you would only give £60. With payroll giving, that £60 becomes £100. So it's quite a big difference. The other challenge here, so the first challenge is about higher rate of tax. The second challenge is that not all gift aid gets correctly claimed. So for a variety of reasons, people filling out their address wrong, people failing to ticket, charities failing to claim it which means that it's estimated about half a billion pounds each year does not get claimed, uh, which could do as a result of tax. Um, if you think about the higher rate as well, we've estimated there's probably another half billion in there that could be going to charity. All right. And can you combine both? Yeah. So I, um, you, you can't combine gifted with payroll giving. Mm, so it's right. one or the other. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, when I think about the number as a total, I'm thinking about... Um, what we can do with Tive, I'm thinking about that billion pounds that could be going to charity each year, which isn't. 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, and is this a model that generally exists in other countries outside of the UK? Um, exactly, yeah, it is. So it, it's a very big thing in the US. Um, and that was one of my motivations when I started Tive was comparing the US to the UK here. So in the US, um, 30% of givers use payroll giving um, to, to make their donations. In, in the UK, it's only 2%. Oh, wow. And what would they use? Would they use a company like Tive to do that in the US? Or how does it work usually? Yeah, so there's there's a number of companies in the US. The US market is much more established when it comes to payroll giving and giving in general. <laughs> um, in the UK, there's there's been a number of payroll giving organizations that have existed um, for a long time. So the, the three main players are CAF, uh, which you may have heard of, the most famous, Charities Trust and um, Charitable Giving. Um, and they're fantastic. What they do is they're registered with HMRC and they can move that money to charity. Um, what we've done with Tive is to partner with one of those payroll giving organizations currently, could be more in the future, um, but with Charities Trust to um, enable you to use them to give your donations, but provide a front end experience, which makes it really, really simple for the employee to sign up um, and it's simple for the employer to administrate as well. Amazing. Uh, let's go back to day one. Uh, do you remember the moment you came up with this idea? And probably it was a slightly different idea than now, maybe. Uh, tell us a bit about the origins of uh, Tive. Yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to remember the day one, but um, I can give you a day minus a thousand or something like that. So um, the the story, I guess, starts when I was at university, so about eight years ago. Um, and I got really excited about the data on charity. Two things. The data that was available on charities, and two, moral philosophy. So I was studying philosophy at the University of Warwick, um, and I came across this argument from Peter Singer. Maybe you know it. Do you, do you know this? I, I know him. Yeah. I, which argument are you talking okay, about? Okay, so um, he has this uh, essay called Famine, Affluence, and mm. Morality. You know this? Heard of it. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't recite it here now. Okay, I think but I'll leave the, that to you. the headline conclusion is um, essentially if you could forgo a luxury and uh, reduce immense amount of suffering for somebody else, then you should forgo that luxury, um, which sounds pretty straightforward. So, um, you know, my friend has the flu right now. If I could buy them uh, oat milk latte with magical sprinklings, which would stop them having the flu for three pounds, and I'm probably morally obligated to do that. It wouldn't just be a nice thing to do. If I think about the suffering that they inflicted on them, I should probably do that. Um, but And that seems trivial, but if you extend the argument, I should probably buy the next latte for somebody else and then for somebody else and somebody else, and that and that keeps going. You know, it's it's And it com- becomes almost never morally okay for me to keep my uh, latte for myself if I could help somebody else. Um, so it's a very simple but very powerful argument, um, which really caused me to reflect on um, my giving and and what was the right amount for me to um, keep rather than just what's the right amount for me to give. Um, and you can as imagine as a student, you get very, very intense in these, have the intense arguments. Um, and as you get into the real world, when you graduate, like um, the idealism comes to practicality. Um, but I've kind of stayed pretty idealist. Um, so at the time, there was this pledge 
um, that was being um, championed by a guy called Will McCaskill, who later went on to write yeah. Doing Good Better and um, was seen as one of the founders of what's called the effective altruism. Right. Have you discussed effective altruism on the podcast? Uh, we haven't. Actually, I think people do mention it, um, yeah. but I think they run a website called 80,000 Hours, which helps you kind of do uh, more good with your career, for example. Then there's the Oxford Center for Effective Altruism, I think, where you spend some time as well, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, so w one of the first pro projects of the effective altruism movement was something called Giving What We Can. And this was a pledge to give 10% of your income over your lifetime um, to the most effective charities you could find. So um, you might think about this Peter Singer argument and think, wow, this is, sounds a bit overwhelming. Do I need to suddenly give everything I earn away to charity just to help people? And you know, the, the equivalent to someone having the flu is, is actually um, to give to effective charities. Um, and this is where the data in charities comes in because th this argument from Peter Singer that was written in the 70s um, when and his he he was actually talking about famines that were happening and talking about giving to Oxfam. Now, my view on that would be: well, how do I know that Oxfam is actually going to make a difference? Right? And you might feel the same. Um, one of the powerful things that happened um, in the kind of late two thousands was um, charity evaluators emerging, like GiveWell and Giving What We Can. They did the research themselves to put a cost-effective estimate on how much good could you actually do by giving to a charity. Um, so for the first time, you could say, you know, if I give to, um, for example, a malaria charity against Malaria Foundation, I can, in expectation, save a life for about £3,000 um, or £7,000. So they have a range, but let's, let's say £3,000. That argument from Peter Singer now becomes really powerful because I, I can actually put a number on what would my next £3,000 do. Um, so that's why, you know, for me, I'd, I'd, I'd been involved in um, social impact charity, wanted to do good, but never took it seriously until I saw those kind of concrete numbers mm. and that made it powerful for me. Mm. And and that's uh, the charities that you work with at Tive as well, right? So you recommend... Uh, some of the most effective charities to people that they can then select which one they want to donate to. That's right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so to bring the thread back, um, the very first thing I got interested in was this giving what we can, which was a 10% pledge to the most effective charities. After gra I graduated, I worked for that organization in Oxford at the Center for Effective Altruism. Um, amazing place, incredible people. Um, what transpired was that this was a way to bring together incredible people who were dedicated to doing good and wanted to, you know, set a moral standard for themselves to give this 10%. But what frustrated me was I, I saw this as a student idealistically as something which should absolutely change the world and be the norm for everybody in affluent society. They should be giving 10% of their income. Um, and what you find is actually in the real world, if you're not used to that amount of money, that's a huge ask is 10%. It's like, um, especially if you're saving, think about your pension, 10% is enormous. Um, so I always was curious at that point, what is the scalable version of this? Right? You know, how can you engage people in giving in a different way, um, which isn't just spare change, somewhere in between you know, giving spare change on the street and giving 10% of your income, um, and gets people to think more thoughtfully about the charity. 
Amazing. Let's talk about scalability of this, right? Yeah. So, uh, as you said, you developed Tive with that in mind. Uh, how how scalable can it be? How how do you think about scalability? Maybe first in the UK and Europe, or uh, and then also the US potentially. I don't know if that's an interesting market for you. How how do you think about this model? What needs to happen for this to scale? Yeah. So, obviously, my my starting point for um, thinking about how could this scale. Um, is thinking about technology and how you can use, well, really the model of a, a tech startup um, to achieve the same aim, which is ultimately our aim is how much money can we move, to, uh, moving as much money to high-impact charities as possible. That's why we exist. We're a for-profit company, um, and we believe that's the best way to achieve our vision um, and get to scale, because you can attract the best talent, you can attract... Um, more more money into your business we've just raised an investment round um and all of that is is possible because we're a for profit so when thinking about scaling this uh, business uh, what needs to happen for this really have a global impact and uh, re- reach the scale it needs to to have an impact yeah great so maybe it's actually useful if i just say about the model of tithe so um we're really focused on how can we provide a fantastic giving experience for our users. So that means um, giving which is proactive rather than reactive. And I could talk a bit more about that in a minute. Um, but the mechanism for growing that is actually through companies. Um, so there's been a lot of giving apps in the past. Maybe you've seen some of them. Um, and their focus is how can we make giving really easy for people? And we're trying to, you ask them and you say, that's the problem we're trying to solve is making giving really easy. Um, my view is giving isn't actually that hard. Um, and nobody has a problem of, if there's enough tent, intent there and people want to donate, then you can just go to the website, set up a direct debit and you're done. Um, I really think that actually this is um, the kind of norms around giving is a social problem a social norm and cultural problem so yes we're solving a problem making it easier for people to find charities they're confident in and being excited about giving um but there's actually um in terms of solving the cultural problem the cultural norm around giving that's happening through companies so i think of giving as a very social thing the reason that we give is because we see other people around us giving and we establish that as a norm Companies today are that social norm um, where you can uh, see in terms of who is the group that you are um, spending the most time with and responding to social cues. It's the people in your team and the people in your company. Um, So this is why we're doing it in terms of how are we scaling this. this, We're doing this through companies. So we're actually providing an employee um, benefit, a, a boost to employee experience. Um, and selling this as a SaaS product to companies, um, so it's it's actually going to be a it's actually a SaaS company, and that's how we're growing it. Yeah, uh, and you use the networks within the companies to spread, right? Like, and rely a lot on the companies to make sure that you know they advertise it for their employees, for example, right? Yeah, I think that, you know the the reason that this is really powerful is because we can actually start the conversation. But it's advantageous to the business to start the conversation. Um, and I'll give you an example. It's not just so the company can kind of 
feel good and, and talk about um, stuff in their PR. Um, it's so companies can actually say with with real authenticity about the kinds of people that work in their company. So, you know, I, we did this with Thriver. You've had Hamish on your podcast. Um, and I we had a really high sign-up rate with Thriver, the highest that we've had at the time. Um, and the employees were really, really excited about it. But the thing they were really excited about was when I shared a stat with them about how many people signed up and the average... Um, giving rate in their company, which was three times the national average. Um, national average is something like forty-five pounds a month, um, and they were one hundred, whatever the maths is on that, one hundred thirty-five pounds a month. Um, and they came back to me and said, "That share, that stat that you shared, is the kind of thing which makes me really proud of this company and our culture." And what's really powerful to me is. You can't fake that stat. <laughs> you know, you can put on your team page, like, you know, we're a really fun team. Here's our office party. Here's our office dog. You know, we've got a ping pong table. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can put a lot of gloss over that. But actually knowing that a lot, a large amount of people give and thrive it and they give to climate change, they give to women's empowerment, they give to mental health, that says something much more powerful about the kinds of people who work there. And why do people go to work at companies? Mm-hmm. You know, it's for the people that work there now. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the choice you're making. Amazing. Uh, let's go back to your business model. You mentioned it briefly, right? And you that you've chosen a for-profit uh, business model, which is actually most of the guests on this podcast would would go down that route. Um, why did you decide for that? Um, especially, for example, coming from Founders Pledge, where the model is a bit different, where they um, uh, have a 100% model where all the donations go to the charities, but they have another bunch of people then funding the operations of the company. Why didn't you choose that model? Why Why is it better for you to to operate on a for-profit model? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and we did consider um, that option as well. Um, and I, one thing I want to say is that I think more people should consider the not-for-profit model than do. Um, so my work at Founders Pledge, um, so Founders Pledge gets entrepreneurs to commit a percentage of their future exit to charity um, and is an amazing community of over a 1,000 entrepreneurs with $2 billion uh, pledged to charities. And they've managed to grow that being entirely not-for-profit. And what that's allowed them to do is focus on what is most impactful. So there's no compromise of, um, you know, what, how do we make money and also make this impactful? And that's a really wonderful thing. Um, and, you know, having spoken to many entrepreneurs through that process and trying to get them to think about giving to charity, many of them say, shouldn't, um, shouldn't I give to a social enterprise? Instead, shouldn't I give to a for-profit? Um, and the answer is maybe, Um but often the most neglected opportunities, which are the ones you want to take if you want to have the most impact counterfactually, um, meaning if someone else wasn't going to have that impact, would you? If, someone else, if you didn't take the action, would somebody else take the action? Um, if you want to have that kind of counterfactual impact, then you want to invest in things that are neglected and nonprofits are the most neglected because uh, if something's a great business idea, then, you know, for-profit investors who are very savvy are going to jump in. Um, you don't need to have, um, they, don't, they don't need to care about the impact because right. it's going to make right. money. Um, 
That said, the reason that we decided to go for profit is what we want to do is reach millions of consumers, millions of users and donors who are going to be giving. Um, and this isn't, you know, my, where I would like to give and where I think is most high impact um, isn't something that we will be dictating to everyone on the platform. This is a platform for everybody to give as impactfully as, as possible um, through their lens of what's important to them. Um, it will be a compromise of um, how do we reach as many people as possible. So from my view, you know, my goal is a North Star, as it were, is to maximize the amount of money that goes to high-impact charities. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, in, in essence, uh, a simple equation of number of users times by giving amount times by percentage to high-impact charities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the way that we think you can have the most impact there, the, what's the variable that you really need to increase is number of users because that's the thing which can, you can get orders of magnitude higher by scaling and building a tech platform. They, you know, there's obviously there's some users who can get orders of magnitude higher in their giving, um, and, but then there's very little you can do about getting orders of magnitude higher on percentages. Um, so that's why we focus on, on users, um, number of users, and that's why we focus on the for-profit model, because that's the high, easiest way to get to that scale. Amazing. Um, and then you do charge a company to, uh, a fee to the companies that uh, use your platform or how, how, how do you generate? Yes. Yeah, so our model is to not charge anything to the charities um, and not to charge anything to the employee in any transaction fee. Um, so something that we've learned from, from Founders Pledge is that a really important and powerful message is 100% of your Donations go to straight to charity. That's a message that's been championed by organizations like Charity Water and really successful. Um, and the really nice thing here is that the company is getting a lot of commercial value out of this, right? So it's completely separate to the charity. Um, the company, and, you know, it's not necessarily always the primary reason why companies do it. You know, companies um, often are doing it because they think it's the right thing to do. Um, But it's also, you know, like let's compare um, buying lunch for everybody on your team um, compared to empowering them to give to causes they care about um, and actually feel like uh, their um, company, their work in their company is contributing to their personal social mission. Like, you know, they are similar price <laughs> buying lunch for everyone and, and using Tithe. Um, but one is, a, is really... Um, is a nice to have and I think one is really powerful so there's and and says something about who your company is and the place you're working for and that that has impact on employee engagement it has impact on um and I kind of think of that as your pride in your company mm-hmm. um and your motivation to work there um and of course it also has uh, impact on talent attraction and, mm-hmm. and retention so who tend to be the people in the companies that tend to be most excited about this uh, especially in maybe if you think about large organizations who do you need to target as that uh, hr that like wants to build a uh, culture and retention into it or, or, or who is the one yeah. in the company so it's the it's normally the chief people officer mm. um in the smaller companies it can be the ceo mm. Um, actually, in larger companies, it can be the CEO as well. Mm. Um, it's about who has the energy and passion for it. Um, so, you know, this question of how do I attract talent and how do I in, 
retain and engage that talent um, and make them excited and proud of what they work, where they work, I think is one of the most important questions. Um, yes, for a chief people officer, but also for the CEO to be asking and to be and to be concerned about. Um, so the CEOs who really get it um, are really excited about Tive. And obviously we're seeing a trend that um, the workforce is more and more concerned with their social mission, right? You know, their work isn't just uh, a way to earn money or a way to develop their skills. It also should be a way to fulfill what their, their personal social mission, what, they, what the cause they want to um, make a difference on, whether that's climate change or mental health or, or another. Um, not all companies have that embedded in exactly mm. in their business model and what they do. But Tive is a way to enable them, enable their employees to do that. So there's, a, there's an important reason why on the platform we don't um, have people signing up for fixed amounts. So you don't pay £10 a month or £20 a month. Instead, you give a percentage of what you earn. Um, and part of that is about um, talking about the average percentage in the company mm. and you know having an equalizer on that. Part of it's about... Um, you know, uh, as, as your salary increases, having uh, your donation increase as well, thinking that's the right thing to do. But it's also the psychology of how it feels to be giving a percentage versus a fixed amount. And when you're giving a percentage, someone described it to me like this, they feel like when they get home on their commuter train, <laughs> the no matter what's happened in that day, they can feel actually a percentage of what the effort I put into there has gone to something bigger mm. that I care about. Mm. And that's really, really powerful. And that's when giving isn't just something nice to have that you've you know done on the side, but is actually more part of your identity. Wow. Yeah, that's a really powerful way to think about it, right? If you imagine that I'm actually spending a day a week working for mm. this cause mm. directly because I donate like 20% of my salary or 10%, Completely. right? Um, really powerful. So if I sign up to Tive, what do I actually see? How does it work? Yeah, great. So um, we've made it really, really simple. So as an employee, I'll get a link to sign up to Tive for my company's um, page. Um, I enter my name, email, password. Um, I choose a percentage that I want to give. That's the first thing. So I choose a percentage of your salary. Um, and two, I pick a portfolio of charities I want to give to. Now, importantly, you can pick from any charity in the UK and add it to your portfolio. Um, you can also pick from our recommended list of charities. So um, a lot of people have a cause they want to give to, like climate change or global poverty, mental health, but they're not sure which is the best charity to give to. So that recommended list acts as um, a really easy way to to add that in and, and find a good charity. So we use two, two charity evaluators for this. One is Founders Pledge, of course, where I used to work. You do research for um, founders and entrepreneurs when they're making decisions about giving. And two is Give Well, who uh, charity evaluator, uh, started in 2009 and do fantastic work in global poverty research. Um, so you can dig into any of those research reports and understand why is that charity being recommended in that area. Um, and that's all you have to do to sign up, set a percentage and build a portfolio and that's it. 
Um, let's. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs are listening to this. Uh, some of them uh, very early stage. Uh, some of them just at the stage where you're at. Um, what's been like one of the biggest learnings for you on this journey of starting Tithe, and one of the biggest challenges you had to overcome, maybe? Yeah, it's such a great question. I, you know, embarrassingly, I think it's you know you read the lean startup for years and you read all the fuck, the uh, blog posts that repeat the same message and it's just focus on the user um and it's just it's just those moments where you realize you've spent a week working on something and then you think have we have we put this in front of any users and is this what anybody wants um and i think it's just that theory putting it into practice of um you know have is this something users want and right. just and just keep coming back to that and i think it's even harder when you are a socially driven yeah, company and um, because you know for, take the giving what we can example this is something that i think should exist right now i think people should give to charity thinking that people should do something is completely separate to whether people want to do something um, and what I'm really excited about is finding this intersection between what is an, a really rewarding experience of giving, what really helps businesses with their engagement and fulfilling their employees' social mission, and what is going to do a huge amount of good for the world. Uh, such a powerful message you're just sharing. Um, uh, I've come across like hundreds of social entrepreneurs now, and I think the best ones, they're really combining it, like you say, right? Um, but the challenge is social entrepreneurs have this gene in them that just imagines the world as it should be, right? Mm. And uh, that, yeah, doesn't always match customer behavior. So yeah. you need to really bridge this gap between the two. And it seems like you're you're doing that. So it's great to see it. Um, my last question is, if you imagine uh, the next 10 years, so imagine the world in 10 years. How does the world look like if Taif succeeds? Yeah, that's a great question. So in 10 years, if Taif succeeds, we should have changed the way people give. So that giving is no longer a kind of thing that you associate with guilt. Um, there should be no more street fundraisers because there's no need to hassle somebody. You know that I've been a street fundraiser for uh, for years next to high, high school. I'm and sorry. I, I don't think it's the most effective way of You're going to be money. out of a job. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's uh, fine. You, you have to be full-time podcaster. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I've, this just speaks to, you know, something I, I speak about um, when I speak to companies is how does charity feel to everyone who hears skeptical of charity and ask everyone to raise their hands. And... There's two comments that always come up. One is, I'm not sure if it's doing any good, um, just to broadly summarize. And two is, you know, I'm tired of the guilt trip of charity. Um, and what we want to do with Tive is to say, you know, take a proactive approach here. Take charity into your own hands. Don't wait to be approached. Um, and the, something really, the really nice thing that happens there is twofold. One is that you can cherry pick from the very best charities, the charities where there's good data behind what they're doing and, you know, the, ty the type that are on the Tive platform that we recommend. Um, and two is that when it's coming from you and it's a, a source of your identity, as we talked about before, um, then you remove the guilt trip and you actually have, you know, your charity budget set aside. Um, so the future of Tive would be that 
In fact, charities know the best way to get funds is not to guilt trip on the street, um, but actually to seek to be some of the most impactful charities in their cause area. And if they're the most impactful charity in the cause area, then they should receive funds by default um, because that's we, we should have millions um, flowing through the platform, billions, in fact, um, to those to the charities which are, are doing the best work. Um, so then the fundraising game becomes actually not fundraising, but how can we be the best? And so you can drive that um, that competition and hopefully innovation from new charities who know that that source of uh, funding is available. Amazing. I wish you all the best on that journey. It's exciting to see uh, your success already just in a few months since officially launching. And uh, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. Been thanks. A pleasure. This was Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.